Welcome to D.T. Kane's Epic Fantasy Book Club. I'm D.T. Kane, author of the epic fantasy series The Agersfar Saga and The Spoken Books Uprising. Each week, I read from one of my novels, discuss my writing process, answer your questions, and have general discussions about fantasy fiction. It's like a book club, except I do all the work for you. Find show notes, info about all my novels, and much more at dtkane.com. Here's the show. Chapter 10 Baz broke into a run, following the guard to the Torchsire dining hall. The guard rushed in without a glance back, but Baz halted at the threshold. Speakers weren't permitted in the dining hall unless specifically summoned, and that was exceedingly rare. Bringing a speaker to a meal was sort of like wearing work boots to the dinner table. Not strictly prohibited, but considered poor form. And what did Baz care if some harbors were fighting? Let the big brutes kill themselves off. Oration would be a better place for it. Besides, it didn't sound like there was any sort of battle going on within the dining hall. In fact, the hall was rather quiet. Generally, it was a raucous place around mealtime. Even when Torchsire had been in financial straits before the trials, liquor and wine had never been in short supply. But none of the ordinary kerfufflery was coming from the hall now. Indeed, Baz could only hear a single voice, as if someone was giving an address. It sounded like Duke Farston. Baz entered the dining hall. One of these days, his curiosity was going to get him killed. It was probably the largest room in the library, which Baz always found odd, as Torchsire was one of the least populous of erstwhile's libraries. The room was lined with stone columns that divided the room into thirds. As they met the high ceiling, the columns branched out into arches. Stone carvings of dragons' faces were etched into the haunches, their empty eyes glaring down at the diners. Only the middle third of the hall was occupied by tables, which were mostly full of men and women dressed in torchsire robes. It looked like a veritable aviary with all the feathers adorning the caps of the various readers seated at the tables, like a family of peacocks had just molted. Deliritus and his father sat at a long table perpendicular to the others at the far side of the hall, joined by Duke Farston. Rocks stood behind Deliritus, and each duke's harbor behind their respective masters. Oddly, Delida was with Deliritus as well. The creation speaker wasn't afforded a seat at the high table, of course, but she sat on a stool a short distance away from Deliritus. Farston was standing at his place beside Duke Octavinal and seemed to be nearing the end of some lengthy speech. More than a few eyes in the crowd were glazed, either from drink or boredom, or more likely a mixture of both. Deliritus was at his father's other hand, fiddling his thumbs as if he couldn't wait for Farston to cease his monologue. 
a wine goblet covered in condensation sat in front of the torchsire air, seemingly untouched. And these warriors, Farston was saying, while his voice held the same eerily calm tone it had back at the receiving room, somehow it also carried an obvious note of disdain. These rebels claim Devonstare, a fictional miscreant, the beggar who defied his rightful king and murdered his loved ones as an inspiration. But I have lived through the death of one I held dear. Devonstare is not one to be revered, but despised. That is why I will do everything in my power to ensure this threat is quashed when the Congress meets in sixteen days' time. A splattering of mostly unenthused applause echoed off the dining hall's high rafters. But enough with such serious talk. Let us get on to the entertainment I've been promising. I've told a few of you already, but I know many of you are eager to hear what it is. Well, I was speaking with your duke's fine heir this morning, your victorious champion of the trials. Duke Farston motioned at Deliritus, and the dining hall broke into far more enthusiastic applause more than a few drunken exhortations that included interesting curse words were lobbed in Deliritus's general direction. Deliritus raised a hand to the crowd in acknowledgment. It likely went unnoticed by most, but Baz noted just the slightest reddening of Deliritus's cheeks. When the applause didn't subside, Deliritus rose and cleared his throat. Thank you, my fellow torchsires, and on behalf of my father, many thanks to our honored guest, Duke Farston Liamina. It is an honor he bestows not only upon me, but this entire library, asking that I represent our great city at the special session of the Congress he has called. I will ensure that the foundation of oration built by none other than our own library's namesake, Actus Torchsire, is protected. More rowdy applause from the crowd of readers. Baz was always a bit surprised when he saw Deliritus address large groups of people. He was generally a pushover, but the years of oratory lessons he'd been given in his youth had apparently made an impression, as he was certainly able to make himself look at least passingly credible in public. That was almost enough to make Baz leave. Bad enough the Torchire heir was a liar, but he could also look good in front of his peers while doing it. Before Baz could turn to go, however, Farston spoke again, What was it about his voice? It drew one's attention like raw meat attracted wolves. Well said, Marquis Deliritus, but perhaps we can now move to a lighter matter. Deliritus glowered, though he aimed the expression at the floor instead of toward Farston. Farston turned back to the dining hall, apparently taking Deliritus's silence for assent. I was conversing with your Marquis over lunch this afternoon and asked, Who is the greatest fighter in erstwhile? 
he responded without hesitation that his harbor is, which is quite the coincidence as I consider Ag my own harbor. Farston inclined his head toward the man standing behind him as the greatest fighter in all of fortune. While most babes were playing with their rattles, he was already training with the blade, and he spent ten years under the personal tutelage of General Hedon Vanjo, commander of the indomitable army. I've never seen Ag lose in a duel. Your heir, of course, remained unconvinced. An admirable quality, that, confidence in his subordinates. So I made him a proposition, a public bout between my harbor and his. We'd settle our little disagreement and give you all a rousing bit of violence in the process. What do you say? The crowd's response was even more enthusiastic than it had been at the reminder of Deliritus's supposed victory at the trials. Goblets wrapped on tabletops, men calling for blood. Meanwhile, Deliritus had retaken his seat, expression strained and hands clasped, knuckles whitening. He doesn't want this, Baz realized. Rox was a boulder raging downhill at full speed, but he was no blade master. If Farston's harbor was truly, as the Liamina Duke claimed, a student of Oration's greatest military mind, they'd be using Rox as confetti at Duke Octavinal's next dinner party. Farston turned to Deliritus. I am the challenger, Marquis Deliritus, so of course I'll defer to you on the rules of engagement. But might I suggest first to three cuts? Deliritus's expression tightened further, and he looked down to his hands, not immediately responding. A competition to cuts meant the harbors would use their actual weapons instead of blunted dueling blades. What was more, now that Farston had made the suggestion in front of the entire library, Deliritus couldn't turn it down without appearing a coward. Duke Octavenal gave a sidelong glare to his son, which forced Deliritus to speak. Three cuts. A fine idea. Might I further suggest that mortal wounds end the match immediately in the dealer's favor? Certainly, Farston said voice rising like a swell on an otherwise calm day at sea. Mortality called by the reader whose harbor deals the blow, I presume? That drew a few surprised murmurs from the assembled Torchsire readers. Baz had watched a number of harbor duels over the years, as they were a principal form of entertainment amongst readers. Mortality was almost always called by the reader whose harbor suffered the blow, as it permitted the reader to decide whether to gamble the harbor's health further or let the match end. Permitting mortality to be called by the reader whose harbor dealt the blow, in theory, meant a reader could claim victory at the merest of scratches, though it would be shameful to do so. It also meant a particularly cruel reader could permit a match to continue even after the opponent's harbor had been dealt a serious injury. 
That is an odd request, Duke Farston, the lyritus said. Not at all, my boy, not at all. Is that not how you play in erstwhile? I suppose we could do the reverse. Some of the lesser libraries in fortune do permit the recipient to call mortality. Some of Deliritus's composure finally abandoned him as he openly glared at Farston. The Liamina Duke merely arched an eyebrow, inviting Deliritus's response. Baz shivered. How could a man appear at once so serene, yet so terribly startling, all at the same time? That won't be necessary, Deliritus said through clenched teeth. Three cuts it is, dealer to call mortality. Excellent. Duke Octavino, you'll call the cuts? Deliritus's father nodded assent, not even turning his head to look at Farston. Without further comment from anyone, Farston's harbor moved to stand in front of the high table. He really couldn't have been any different from rocks. There was not a single muscle apparent beneath his close-fitting gray tunic, and whereas Rox was bald and scarred, Ag had a full head of sandy hair. He might have even been called handsome if not for that leather mask. There was a sufficient gap between the high table and the rest of the tables in the hall to supply a dueling floor. Deliritus turned to rocks and exchanged a few heated words with the harbor. Baz couldn't see Deliritus's expression, but Rox's eyes appeared, well, apologetic, as if he was ashamed. Apparently having failed to hear what he wished from Rox, Deliritus waved a hand at him and motioned to Delida, who quickly rose and came to Deliritus's side. He spoke with similar curtness to her. As he did so, he took a book out from beneath the table, setting it before him and nearly knocking over his goblet of wine in the process. Duke Octavino glowered at the volume, but Deliritus ignored him. Finally, the torchsire heir gave a nod to rocks, and the harbor lumbered out from behind the high table to go stand beside Ag. The readers assembled in the dining hall cheered the giant man. He might belong to Deliritus, but the entire library was proud of having the violent giant as one of their own. Duke Octavinal stood. Harbors, back to back. Rox and Ag turned away from one another. Harbors, draw. Ag pulled a longsword from the sheath at his back in one sweeping motion. Rox took more time, removing his razor's shoulder strap and shifting it from hand to hand as if uncertain. Finally, he grasped the handle's lowest point and snapped his wrist, extending the blade to its full length. Wrapping both hands around the hilt, he raised the weapon until his hands were parallel with his head, the weapon's wicked blade jutting well above his hairless scalp. Harbors, ten paces. The two men began to walk in opposite directions as the duke counted out the steps. When Duke Octavinal reached ten, he paused, looking from one harbor to the other. Fight! 
truth. Rox spun around and launched himself toward Ag, razor held high in both hands. The Liamina Harbor's eyes widened, body stiffening. Clearly, he hadn't been expecting such unbridled fury. Baz hated the giant harbor. Of course he did. Rox had ripped Tax's eyes from their sockets. Still, he couldn't help but smile at the expression on Ag's face. Yet, just as it seemed that Rox would put a quick end to the duel, Baz's blood chilled. Ag's body was stiff, expression painted with surprise. But his eyes were smiling. Rox, don't! Baz shouted. But the big man was already committed. Just as his razor began to descend, Ag's posture went from a fine imitation of a fence post to that of a whip. He curled away from Rox's strike, pivoting on one foot and sliced upward at Rox's passing back as the giant harbor's weight sent him hurtling past the suddenly snake-like Ag. Rox moved exceptionally well for a man of his size, and he managed to avoid having his spine severed, twisting out of most of Ag's range. Most being the operative word. A thick red line blossomed along the path of Ag's strike across Rox's back. It must have been excruciating, but the giant harbor merely grunted as he turned to face the Liamina harbor once more. Ag smiled from behind his mask, taking the time to brush a strand of hair from his eyes. Cut for the Liamina Harbor, Duke Octavenal announced. One nil. Before Duke Octavenal had even finished speaking, Ag darted in like an adder, blade lashing out. He caught rocks collapsing his razor back into its shortened form, and the big man was barely able to parry the strike and avoid being skewered. Rox recovered quickly and turned the parry into a riposte, but the Liamina Harbor moved like smoke on the wind. He didn't even parry Rox's attack, instead merely diving out of the way. He hit the ground in a roll and sprang up behind Rox, before the big man could even begin to turn, Ag's sword once more lashed across Rox's back, forming a bloody X on the back of his shirt. Rox groaned through clenched teeth and fell to a knee for the briefest of moments before regaining his feet and turning back around. Second cut for the Liamina Harbor. Ag grinned, flicking blood off the tip of his blade. Rox lifted his face to the ceiling and roared, rushing toward Ag. Once more, the much smaller man contorted like a snake. Only Rox didn't continue his forward momentum. He skidded to a stop, boots whining over the cobbled floor as he did, and spun to his right. Snrack! Rox's razor extended back to its full length as he spun. Ag's eyes widened in genuine surprise this time as the expected attack from a weapon of limited range turned in the blink of an eye to one with nearly twice the reach. He got his sword up in time, but with the force of Rox's spinning bulk behind the strike, Ag's defense caved and the straight-edged side of Rox's weapon cut into Ag's upper arm. 
blood splattering into the faces of the readers seated nearest to the bout. Ag made not a sound as the two men parted once more and began to circle. He glanced down at the blood flowing from his shoulder as if considering a bug bite. Cut for the Torchsire Harbor, Duke Octavenal said, with perhaps just a hint of gloating in his voice. Farston spared Octavenal a glance, giving him a tight-lipped smile. The two harbors continued to circle, neither seeming ready to commit to another engagement now that each had drawn blood. Baz was nearly flying out of his boots, standing on tiptoes so that he could see from where he stood at the back of the dining hall. Stumble. One of Rox's feet clipped the other. It was a minor thing, a misstep that ought to have barely altered his stride. Instead, Rox nearly tripped to the ground. He caught his balance and righted himself, but he was shaking sweat from his eyes as he did, his normally grayish skin now nearly white. The blood from the wounds on his back was beginning to drip from the hem of his shirt onto the floor. A smile returned to Ag's face. He offered a feint so obvious that even Baz saw it for a ruse. But in his blood-deprived state, Rox sought to block the attack as if it was a killing blow. Ag pulled his strike up short and reached out with his offhand, slapping Rox on the ear. Rox stumbled in confusion, putting Ag behind him. Baz lost sight of the Leomina Harbor for a moment as Rox blocked his view. Pfft! A sound like a meat cleaver through a shank echoed through the hall, and the tip of Ag's blade showed through the front of Rox's chest. The big man looked down in surprise, then collapsed to the ground, sliding off Ag's blade. The Leomina Harbor nodded as if at a good day's work, then turned to Duke Octavenal and bowed. Third cut to the Leomina Harbor. Match two. Delida, with me! Deliritus sprang from his seat, his shrill voice drowning out his father's final words. He vaulted over the table, rushing to his fallen harbor. Baz was breathing hard and realized he'd somehow gone from the back of the hall to kneeling beside rocks, right next to Deliritus. Bastion? What are you doing here? Get out of Delida's way! Blood, a lot of it, coated the floor. Rox's breaths were coming in wet rasps. So much. In a daze, Baz nearly slipped on the spreading pool as he moved over so Delida could kneel in between him and Deliritus. The torchsire heir had a book in his hands and was already reading in a hurried but precise tone. Delida stared intently at Rox, repeating Deliritus's words, apparently unfazed by the gore. The reading seemed to take forever, but eventually white energy began to float from Delida's fingers and into the gaping hole in Rox's chest. A moment later, the harbor's breathing slowed, and Deliritus released a breath in a gush that could have shaken castles off their foundations. You and your foolish pride, Deliritus said, glaring down at Rox. Not my pride, the harbor said, sounding as if he hadn't slept in a year. Your honor. 
it would have been a lie to back out of the Duke's challenge. Shut up, Deliritus muttered. Just rest. Rox didn't seem to have an objection to that command, his eyes sliding shut and breaths slowing. Deliritus's hand moved to clasp Rox's shoulder, his lower lip trembling. Boot steps. Farston smiled down at Deliritus. His expression was bland, but his eyes... Baz looked away from the chilling indifference they held, as if they were taking in a spoiled bit of choice meat. He spoke in a low voice, keeping his words private. You thought your security strong as stone, but really it was built upon a foundation of glass, impressive in the light of day, but likely to shatter when tested by the dark of reality. I trust you'll remember that in the days to come. Deliritus glared up at the Liamina Duke, remaining at Rox's side rather than rising to face Farston. The fiery rage in his eyes spoke more than any audible response he could have offered. Yes, I see you understand, Farston said, the hint of a chuckle in his tone. Baz's spine felt as if it were trying to slither free from the rest of his body. Yet, as much as he wished to look away from the Liamina Duke, his voice held Baz's gaze faster than any glue. I do hope your harbor will be all right. He'll be exhausted for days after that healing. Farston chuckled and began to stride away. He stopped, though and glanced over his shoulder, not at Deliritus, but at Baz. I look forward to our impending time on the road, Speaker. I trust you, too, will remember what you saw here. Baz would have collapsed had he not already been kneeling beside Deliritus and rocks. As it was, the blood rushed from his head, and he nearly blacked out as Farston strode away, back toward the dais to converse with Deliritus's father, who was pointedly not looking in his son's direction. Torn pages on the fire, Baz muttered, placing a hand on the floor to steady himself. Too late, he realized he'd balanced himself dead center in a pool of Rox's blood, the liquid still warm and sticky. Baz's stomach roiled. Deliritus, what are we walking into, taking a trip with that man? The torchsire heir didn't answer immediately, instead removing his cloak and crinkling it up to create a pillow, which he shoved beneath Rox's head. Once he seemed satisfied with the position of Rox's massive skull, he glanced over to Farston, then looked to Baz. He knows. Knows? Knows what? Deliritus swallowed glancing toward Farston once more. He knows I didn't complete the Actus Trials. Hello, friends. Welcome back to D.T. Kane's Epic Fantasy Book Club. Today is Sunday, September 11th, 2022, as I record this, which is episode 8 
of season two of the podcast. And what is this, episode 35 overall. I uh, hope you all enjoyed listening to chapter 10 of Declaimer's Discovery. Uh, got a big fight there between rocks and Duke Farston's Harbor Ag. Uh, exciting stuff, maybe uh, slightly uh, upsetting stuff too, depending on how you feel about rocks. Um, and that concluded part one of Declaimer's Discovery. Uh, so... Uh, we're not going to be doing any analysis this week. Next week will be an analysis episode. We'll discuss chapters 8, 9, and 10. Uh, just to quickly recap those, uh, 8 is kind of Baz's quick discussion with Ogs, the leader of the snakes, um, after he met all the other snakes while Ogs was leading Baz back to Torchsire Library. Chapter 9 um, was Baz's discussion with Tax about how Tax is apparently the leader of this rebellion that's starting in Erstwhile. And then Chapter 10, which we just read on today's episode, was the uh, the duel here between Rocks and, and Ag, Duke Farston's Harbor. So we'll discuss those three chapters in detail next week, and then uh, the following week's episode will begin reading Part 2 of Declaimer's Discovery, starting with Chapter 11. Um, okay, so not too much to discuss here. Um, for those of you who read the newsletter, you'll uh, you'll see kind of a tough week for me this week, just uh, just because you know Declaimer Stand has been so close to done for like the past week or so here. Um, but I just keep finding like these one-off little things that have to be done. And, you know, none of it's a whole lot of fun at this point, the final formatting and, you know, getting metadata right and all that, all that uninspiring <laughs> sort of stuff. Um, but since since the newsletter came out, I now have it fully submitted, the paperback version and the ebook version is into all the various retailers. So finally wiping my hands clean <laughs> of the claimers stand here. Uh, and that feels good because, you know, it just felt like I couldn't really start on anything new until that was completely done. So now I can finally launch into some more projects here. I think I'm probably going to take the next m- month or so to do some some smaller things. And then maybe beginning to middle of October, I'll start drafting the next novel in earnest. So there you go. I have another short story I want to write here for my... Uh, Temporal Operations and Malicious Short Story Series over on Patreon. Uh, I've got a couple of special editions, I think, that I'm working on that, you know, I'm going to get ready for the holidays here. <laughs> working on a little advertising uh, as well, just to get the word out about the books <clears throat> um, a little more. I think those are the, the main things I have in my, have in my plate. Um, but, you know, Keep a keep an ear to the ground about some of these special special releases uh, in the world of the Spoken Books Uprising in in the coming weeks. A, a few things that I think you guys might be excited about. So stay tuned for those. Um, and oh, I guess I should should mention Declaimer Stand officially releases uh, September sixteenth, twenty twenty two. So that's just five days from uh, when I'm recording this so uh if you're listening in the next few days you can still get your pre-order in 
bookstoread.com slash declaimers stand will take you to a page with links to all of uh, your favorite retailers. So Amazon, you know, Barnes & Noble, Kobo, uh, Google Books, and others. So you can go to that. Books to Read, that's books, the, the number two, read, bookstoread.com slash declaimers stand. Um, right, so there's that. We went over the assignments for, well, you don't really have homework next week. We're just going to be analyzing chapters 8 through 10. And then the following week we'll read chapter 11 of Declaimers Discovery, so that'll be in two weeks from now on episode 37. And I think that's all we have to discuss, so we'll just move on to the quote of the week and then call it an episode. Uh, I guess I will just say I haven't had any listener questions in a couple weeks, so if you have any burning questions you'd like me to address here on the podcast, shoot them my way, dtkane at dtkane.com. And I also mentioned Patreon earlier, got this short story short story series I'm working on releasing over there, patreon.com slash dtkane. If you'd like to support me, um, all levels of uh, Patreon subscribers get copies of all of my eBooks for free, uh, which means if you sign up today, even at the the lowest $3.99 level, you'll get an electronic copy of all of my books that I have out currently, and you'll get a copy of Declaimer's Stand when it comes out next week. So consider heading over there if you'd you'd like to support me and the show and my writing. Uh, Okay, so this week's fantasy quote of the week comes from N.K. Jemisin in her book The Fifth Season, which is the first novel in her uh, award-winning Broken Earth trilogy. I've read all three of these. They are they are very good. They're uh, they're a little bit different than your traditional fantasy, and I guess just fair warning to folks: she does tackle a lot of uh, uh, a lot of deep issues in these, you know, uh, race, racism, politics, uh, the environment. So, kind of all the uh, the hot button political issues she uh, tackles tackles all of them there. So, so fair warning. But even all that aside, it is an excellent story and very well written. Uh, would definitely recommend it to any fantasy fan out there if you're interested. The Fifth Season by N.K. Jemisin. Uh, And the quote from The Fifth Season is, It's a gift if it makes us better. It's a curse if we let it destroy us. Uh, And as always, I've got my little essay here uh, inspired by the quote. I should say I'm not necessarily trying to interpret the quote or the author's intent behind it. But I take the quote and then uh, just use it to inspire uh, my own essay, which is, you know, always related to the quote, but I'm not necessarily saying this is what uh, uh, N.K. Jemisin was was trying to say here. It's just what D.T. Kane is saying uh, as inspiration from the quote. All right. Uh, so often, the way a thing makes us feel is dependent on the perspectival lens through which we decide to view it. It's a stoic maxim that only you can make yourself upset, or angry, or frustrated, or any other emotion. It isn't your jerk co-worker, or friend, or a spouse who made you mad, but rather the way you decided to react to that person. That isn't to say emotions are bad. It's only human to experience them. 
but just as we shouldn't let children drive the school bus, we shouldn't let our emotions dictate our mood and reactions. Instead, embrace the idea that, while a certain statement or event or bit of news might initially make you feel a certain way, you don't have to let it ruin your moment or hour or whole day. Instead, Take a deep breath and realize you can choose your reaction. Look for the good in all that happens, or at least embrace that you can't control the acts of others, and as such, choose not to let them control you. Uh, so there you go, this week's quote from N.K. Jemison's The Fifth Season, and uh, I think I've addressed this before, but... You know, one of my goals with this uh, quote of the wheat section is just to, uh, you know, I think I'm trying to defend fantasy in a way here. I think so many people think, you know, fantasy is just not worth reading because it's so fantastical and completely unbelievable. But as I've said in the past, I do think fantasy is a, a great way to tackle some difficult issues without having to, like, face them head on. You can look at them through this lens of a, a imaginary uh, universe, and by taking these quotes and showing these uh, lessons that are applicable to real life in these essays, I just hope that uh, that goes to show a little that uh, that fantasy is certainly worth reading, uh, not just for the fun and the story, but for some of the deeper meaning that can be found in it as well. So I uh, hope you liked that quote, and if you have a quote that you would like me to share on a future episode and in a future newsletter, uh, email it to me at dtkane at dtkane.com, and I might feature it in a future uh, Fantasy Quote of the Week. Uh, so that's all for this week's episode. Uh, thank you for listening, and until next time, this has been D.T. Kane's Epic Fantasy Book Club. Thanks for listening to D.T. Kane's Epic Fantasy Book Club. If you liked today's episode, please consider rating and reviewing wherever you listen to podcasts. If you're watching on YouTube, give this video a thumbs up if you liked it and hit that subscribe button and the bell so you get notified whenever new episodes become available. If you'd like to listen to back episodes or review the show notes, visit dtkane.com slash podcast. D.T. Kane's novels are available for purchase at most major online retailers, or you can purchase directly from his website at www.dtkane.com slash books. You can receive a free short story and sign up for D.T. Kane's mailing list at dtkane.com slash email dash sign up. If you'd like to connect, you can find D.T. Kane on Facebook at D.T. Kane Author or Twitter at D.T. Kane Author or send D.T. Kane an email at dtkane at dtkane.com. See you next week.